0: Hi, mai, ki tēnei hotaka Welcome to the panel on RNZ National, I'm Wallace Chapman Kia mau tono mai katoa coming up on the programme Students from across the country hit the streets for the first school strike for climate in 18 months this afternoon and they had some heavyweight backing We talk about that just after four The country's CEOs they've spoken, what direction do they think the country's heading? That on the show, and is genuine representation missing in local elections? Our guest today says that Aucklanders are better represented in Parliament in Wellington then in the council chamber downtown Auckland. And on the panel, he changed careers from teaching to building and became a social media hit. He's on the show and a petition to remove the monarchy from a money has started. So quite a mix this afternoon. You can text me to 101, email the panel at rnz.co.nz. Our guest this afternoon, Cindy Mitchner, who is a recruitment specialist. Cindy, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Wallace.
0: How are you? Very well. How are you? Uh,
1: marvellous. Marvellous. Yeah, good on you.
0: Nice to have you here. And Simon Wilson, senior writer for the New Zealand Herald. Kia ora, Simon. Good to have you in. Kia ora, Wallace. I, I hope marvellous isn't a trademark word. <laughs> <laughs> it, feels like it, it feels like it is, doesn't it? It does. I can't yeah. recall the person who says it. but no, uh, no some um, guy. <laughs> <is it? Yeah. laughs> Maybe
2: used to be on the station a long time ago.
0: <laughs> All right, so Cindy and Simon, with me. Let's dip into the Friday Mailbag. quite a range of issues we talked about regarding how uh, people are concerned about what Putin might do next. Steve says, I recall in the Cuban Missile Crisis, standing in the boys' toilets at school, talking with mates about if the world was going to end while we were at school. Let's go to the beach, we said. Uh, kids today are feeling the same about the climate, so no wonder anti-social, anti-authority attitudes seem to be rising, as uh, Steve's point of view. I don't know, when this came up yesterday, Simon, um, quite a few people did get in touch saying, uh, of a certain age, you can recall, wow, this reminds me of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm-hmm. And it gave me an inkling into just how serious people thought that, uh, that era was. I tell you what,
2: what I remember as a child, uh, my parents broke the law for the first and possibly only time that certainly that I was allowed to be aware of, taking me to a movie uh, called The War Game, which was R-13 and I wasn't quite 13. They wanted me to see this movie, which was a, a kind of docudrama about what happens in a nuclear attack. Yes, uh, and so, you know, we're talking about uh, late 60s here. Uh, people were really, really frightened. Cindy?
1: Well, I'm rather wondering what happened after the Cuban Missile Crisis. Was there not? I've got my history right. Didn't Kennedy get assassinated?
0: Yes, he did. He um, did,
1: so watch out, Putin. <laughs>
0: okay. I, I, can't, I can't. You don't know. <laughs> All I right, can't, Cindy. Yep. Good no, one, can't Cindy. Say that. No, you can, you can say you can Uh-oh. say whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. But uh, nonetheless, thank you. Uh, could it be the end of the political walkabout? It has seemed to have uh, become that dangerous. I think it was uh, Grant Robertson who said he was shouted at, screamed out, called a paedophile. There are others uh, who have had issues with it, although National says, look, um, uh, we don't want the end of the walkabout to... Uh, to be a thing. We talked about that. Alan recalls, without a doubt, the most memorable walkabout was Rob Muldoon who came to the public bar of the Timberlands Hotel during the 1978 campaign. It was a Thursday which was payday and the place was full. It was easy to mix as the Survery Bar was a long island in the middle rather than being um, at one side of the end. Muldoon put money on the bar and engage readily with us. That's how you do it, Simon. Put oh, a bit of cash on the bar uh, well, that, and chat.
2: <laughs> which you just got to make sure you're not treating at the time. It's not actually vote time, I guess. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good point. I, I, I want to say something about this. I, I, I suppose this is why I'm here. I can say yeah, things, can't I? whatever you <laughs> um, want. But... We're heading into a general election next year, which I think is going to have all sorts of stresses of a kind we haven't seen before. And so I think it behoves all of us to try and stick to some kind of behaviour rules. And one of them is don't throw things at politicians. Don't frighten politicians in public. Make it possible for all our politicians to feel that they are not physically in danger when they're in public, because that way the democratic process is Will be easier. I think that's really valuable for us. And the other one is that um, you know it's very easy to slag someone off on social media and say that they're a pig or say that they need to be uh, have their throat cut, perhaps, or you know in some other some other way that that they're less than human or they deserve some terrible punishment. These things are not true. We should never be saying people are less than human. It's a step one to a very vicious. place that we go to if we start thinking like that. So I would love to think next year we... we Bear
0: bear all this in mind. The end of the political walkabout. Cindy, would you be sad if your your local MP couldn't go down to the local mall and do a a bit of a uh, a hug with a a little child or whatever?
1: (laughs) Careful. (laughs) Well, look, I I mean, I think, you know, the funeral, the Queen's funeral has shown us that the the personal touch, the people want to get out and see. And, I look, I think it's fantastic. I don't think we should be hiding behind our keyboards, you know, for um, making comment or interacting. I would be very sad to see, uh, particularly in New Zealand, that a politician... Or a you know visiting head of state was unable to do a walkabout because of the threat to their safety i mean i don 't know if calling someone names is a threat to their safety it 's not very nice, but um, you know i would I would hate to see us in a society where we can 't do that
0: sure. And Mark Sainsbury on the panel the other day took issue with the coverage of the queen. He said in his words it was completely over the top. Now, no one I know would argue uh, that the queen did not devote herself to the role. I've met her many and she's a wonderful person. But this in my view has gone completely over the top. How, how many so? How many days did we effectively see no other news of any kind? was said, I too am thoroughly fed up with the brouhaha over this 96-year-old's death. I have more respect for the cleaner who cleans the hospital at 5pm on low wages. So this gained more feedback than anything else, really. Sainzo's uh, view on this, he thought, uh, Simon, it was absolutely over the top. and people said, what a d- disrespectful man he is. <laughs> uh, others said, I couldn't agree with him more, yeah. I
2: think uh, I'm, I'm going to guess here and think that the Queen might have felt that a, a, a lively debate about a topic like that was absolutely fine. You reckon? Um, well, I'm just yeah. going to hope for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I think. Uh, the enormous crowds was an extraordinary phenomenon and it's appropriate for media to cover extraordinary phenomena involving people and what people are doing. Um, I don't think that we were watching hundreds of thousands of people in grief. I don't think it was like that. It was it was a different kind of character from, say, uh, Princess Diana's uh, funeral. Uh, these were people who were not exactly celebrating, but um, they were marking with respect, but also commemorating and also enjoying taking part in the experience, and that experience was being British together. So you yeah. say to
0: Mark Sainsbury, forgive them for that. Well, I, I I think
2: it's a pretty benign form of crowd behaviour when you think about some of the alternatives.
0: Cindy, where do you lie on this? Do you agree with Mark Sainsbury over the top? You're a former TV executive.
1: <laughs> I am indeed a former TV executive. Oh, look, I you know there was a lot of it, and it got a bit <laughs> repetitive, <laughs> but. <laughs> You know, never again she was a seventy year monarch you know the the British monarchy's been going for a thousand years. We will never, as they say, we will never see the like again, and I agree with Simon that it was that whole it 's the ultimate you know in television they talk about the shared experience right, and I think that uh, Queen Elizabeth's funeral was the ultimate and shared experiences. My daughter was in London, and she's not particularly a, a, a royalist. She said she was going to walk past the coffin, and then she texted and said, nope, 30-hour <laughs> queue. Yeah. Um, but she said just just being there and feeling part of the experience uh, was just something right. that, no. There, one, okay, Simon.
2: There is, there is one other thing I, I think that is a little disappointing, or was a bit disappointing in the whole funeral process, uh, Process and that's that it was so extraordinarily military. Um, as a celebration for a society, it confuses me just a little that the British have to do it in such a relentlessly military way. The only people who can march uh, are the military, and there's a statement they're making there to the world about look you know, we're important still. Um, well, you know, good on them for trying. But if it was a real a real population thing, uh, maybe other okay. parts of society might have taken part. Very interesting.
0: Also, well, we I mean, just... Wouldn't you, Cindy? Wouldn't you call it pa- pageantry?
1: You know, I think just calling it military, um, it's the whole pageantry... But, it was, but
2: all those pageantry people were military people. But they were only well, military not all people. Them. They were. No, all was, of them were.
1: What the the people in the little gold outfits?
2: Soldiers, every last one of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I just think that the pageantry is what actually makes the UK, uh, you know, a dollar fifty. That level it isn't anywhere else in the world, and that's what you know the tourists flock to see. All right, the
2: only thing they've got left, you reckon?
1: Uh, well, it's important.
0: <laughs> All right, that's enough. We, you, you enough. both, yeah, you both disagree with Mark Sainsbury anyway. And just finally, uh, other terms: husband and wife, outmoded. A new term is coming through apparently; it's trending or trendy uh, or on trend rather. And that is the term "joy friend."
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um, what are you doing? <laughs> the joy is gone. Well, still... <laughs> well, you, well, what what are you? Some people say that the term partner, where is the joy? Yeah. It's so transactional, Simon Wilson. So why say partner? So they say, why not use the word joy, friend? Well, I just can't.
2: I, I can't see that catching on. I'm sorry. I think it's very funny. And maybe maybe that's the reason it will catch Maybe I'm completely see, wrong. It'll exactly catch on it. because it makes you laugh.
0: Um, Wallace, my 60-year-old something a cousin is French, and last year she posted five words on social media to let us know her husband had died. Her words touched me. I have lost my lover. Mm. Cindy?
1: Well, Hello? Uh, you know, was, was that her joy friend? You know, yeah, um, okay. I, I, think, I, I think that's lovely and very mm. French. I, I, I have lost my lover. I mean, you know, the joy friend, I think, just is a, a makes me giggle, and I'm not sure. You don't that. like it. She did,
2: she did presumably mean the person she
0: was married to. I presume so. <laughs> I presume but so. Well, he's
1: French, so not necessarily.
0: Come on, Cindy. Um, <laughs> but, let's not stereotype. Uh, All right, I've been thinking, take it away, what's your IBT, Cindy Michener?
1: Okay, so I have been thinking about the directional signs when there is a road closure, <coughs> you know, the little squares with the arrows. So last night I go, I live in Caracas, last night I went to the airport to pick up my friend Helen from Sydney, who's over here for my birthday, to, you know, Air New Zealand arrives at 1 o'clock, and the motorway is shut. Now, I live here. I've lived here for a long time. I should know how to go on the diversion. I followed the little signs, and, oh, my Lordenburger. I went sort of out to Clevedon, back round in a square. I really think Waka Kotahi need to make a big effort to make these easier to see and bigger. I mean, all
0: right, I so we've here. got a do com- all combined. I've been thinking because our time's a bit tight there. And Simon, you're the man to answer these problems, and you want to talk about the sa- a similar thing. I
2: want to talk about road cones because I've been thinking sure. about road cones, and it's actually a, a, a different issue, really, okay. um, because I'm I'm following uh, people on the uh, local council campaign trails, and every now and then they come up, why well, we've got all these road cones? Let's get rid of the road cones, you know. And I want to speak up in defence of road cones. You've got
0: to be serious. I,
2: <laughs> well, you the can, first thing is, road cones are a safety device. We have a bad record of industrial safety, workplace safety in this country. We have road cones on the roads to help to help protect the workers and also to help protect people driving and walking and in other ways using the roads. They are there for safety and they work for that.
0: All right, hang on. Do we have too many road cones in Tamaki Makaurau? Text me. Yes or no? Two, one. Zero, one. Okay, let me just put more of the defence for road cones. Road cones are a sign
2: of economic progress. A city without road cones is a city that's dying because nothing's happening. You want the motorway to be fixed overnight and if, it, if they use a thousand road cones or a hundred um, I don't know what the right number is but you want the motorway to be repaired. You want the other things to be fixed and developed and progress to happen in your city and if it means inconvenience while those things are happening, well they are happening to make the city better. So road cones mean economic progress. I think think the problem we have with road cones is that they symbolise for us that actually you can't just drive where you want, wherever you want. They, they're a way of they have a physical barrier to that, and that symbolises the idea that the Dam council or the transport authority or whoever the powers are are just trying to mess up our lives. Okay, you buy uh, that, and Cindy? I think that's you
0: buy that, Cindy?
1: Uh, well, not really. Um, bits of it. I mean, I think the point is. Make it easy for people. All right, make it easy for Con- people.
0: Cindy Mitchell and Simon Wolf- Wilson with me this afternoon on the panel. Lots to talk about it until 5pm right here, RNZ National.